Welcome to another week of Coffee and Conversations here at Village Bible Church. Coffee and Conversations aims to answer difficult questions and address hard topics using a biblical perspective. So we use God's Word as our guide and as our truth as we walk through this life together. And I'm just so excited to sit down with you today and look at what God's Word has to tell us about our struggles and our doubts and our questions. So go ahead and grab a cup of coffee and come join us and let's dive in. Yeah, can I grab that chair? Yeah, you can grab that chair if you want. It's a little low. Um, okay. If you want, I can find a, a stool. I'll just stand on the chair. Yeah, <laughs> listen to me. This is fine. This is fine. Okay. So, okay. So, how should I start? Okay, so I, like, from, like, when I was, like, young... Like, I've, like, grew up in a Christian family, like a lot of you guys. Um, really strong, like, Christian parents, and, like, um, like my grandpa's the pastor here, so, like, just, like, had, like, very blessed with, like, um, how I grew up and the environment I grew up in. And so, I can distinctly remember, like, I'm going to say like so much, and that's just so annoying. Every time I say it, mm. anyways. Um, I have a distinct memory of when I was actually saved, so I was probably eight or nine, and I, like, remember going to my mom's room and be like, Mom, I want to pray, and, like, I want to be saved, and so I did, and I remember that, but, I mean, I was eight years old, so it's not like I was going to do a devotion every day, like, when I was in first grade, so, um... I, I knew, like, all through elementary school, all through middle school, I was saved. I did believe that Jesus was my Savior, and um, that it was, by like, through grace that I was saved. But it probably wasn't until high school that I actually started, like, seriously pursuing God. Um, and what else did I write? So I always believed that Jesus was my Savior, that he died for me, but I didn't really prioritize my faith until high school. Even in high school, I wasn't really, like, beginning of high school, I wasn't really in the Word, like, daily. Like, I have this memory of, I don't know if you remember this, but I was with Elise and Riley, and we were, like, at coffee, and Riley was like, let's go to coffee and do our devotions together. And so we did, and then Riley was like, uh, she was asked us, she was like, so what has God been teaching you this week? And I, like, made something up. Like, I literally did, because I hadn't, like, you read. Yes, I lied to you, because I hadn't, like, read my Bible at all that week, and I was just like, ah. Uh, He's been teaching, like, I just made something up, and then Elise was honest. She was like, I don't know, because she, <laughs> she's like, actually, I don't know, but over here, I was, like, making something up, and Riley's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> good times. Um, but, I mean, just stuff like that. Um, so, I just, like, wasn't super serious, and, like, wasn't really pursuing God um, with all my heart. So, fast forward to, like, this past year, um, I've grown a lot in my faith, um, especially just through, like, the community here and people I've met and just, just, like, in general. Um, I still, like, I struggle with a lot of things every day. Pride, gossip, arrogance. Um, but God is definitely working through all of that in my life. Um, he's taught me a lot of things this past year. So one thing that I've, like, realized a lot recently is that I'm learning how to, instead of responding to, like, if people, if someone has a problem, right, 
instead of responding to it with like, yeah, that really, that sucks. Like, we need to like, nah, like that person wronged you. I'd be like, you know, like, rah, rah. Um, instead of doing that, I'm like, well, can I pray, like, pray with you about that? Or like, can I pray for you, like, in this situation? And so like, that's like a big thing I'm learning. Um, what else did I write down? Oh, this is really cool. So, um, about, I don't know, whenever I started journaling more, I started to learn how to write cursive, okay? And so I started, like, this whole thing is, like, all cursive. But I never write cursive any other time than, like, in my journal or, like, in my Bible. And that, that was kind of like a picture of, like, I, I kind of was thinking about this morning. It's kind of like a metaphor for, like, I used print handwriting at like school and I used cursive handwriting like at church. So it was like two separate things, like showing me that I was like um, following God like on the weekends at church and then I was just like, I wasn't really thinking about my faith or thinking about God like during the week. But recently, I, whenever I'm taking notes at school, I start to write in cursive. So it's like showing me that like God is like permeating every part of my life, not just when I'm at church or stuff like that. So I thought that was really cool. I was like, it's kind of like, it's obviously not like, whoa, like God like took over my hand. I start writing, like it's more of like a, it's more of like just like a picture of like, it's not two separate things. It's like one and the same, like every day. Um, so what the last thing that I just wanted to say is for the past couple months, I've been struggling with coming in second place, like in a lot of things in my life, not just like, like not a lot of specific things, but just like in general. And that's rough for me because I'm very competitive and I like being first and I like winning. Um, and there's just things, some things that I'm like, oh, I don't wanna be in second place for that. But, and it's like very frustrating for me, but I've just been realizing that first place is not always getting the highest score, being chosen, for an important opportunity. First place is this group, and this is, it's like Girls Bible City, and first place is being able to pray for my friends, and being in this community, and like seeing my friends come to Bible City at 6 a.m. I didn't cry when I was writing this, that's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and as long as I, as long as I know Jesus is my savior, then I'm in first place. And now the podcast people are thinking I was really weird. Um, but I'm really glad I didn't wear a lot of mascara today. Um, but yeah, that's all. Thank you so much, Macy. You're welcome. <laughs> you ever try to like breathe in and suck your teeth? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wore a black very thankful for Macy because I think she gets everyone really hype about studying the Bible at 6 a.m. I don't think, I, without Macy, I don't know if we would be all as excited to meet at 6 a.m. as yeah. she makes us excited. I'm telling you, it makes me feel alive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and if you're in high school or middle school and you're not coming to 6 a.m. Bible study, you're messing out. Then you are doing me wrong. Yes. Yeah. Um, next week, Emily is teaching. And she's giving her testimony. Whoa. So a it's a big week. And I'm very excited for that. So make sure you come next week to support her and listen to what she has to share with us. 
Um, I'm going to open us into prayer, and then we will dive into the Word of God. Why are, you, why are you looking at me like that, Elise? What? Oh, you're like looking at me like you're going to say something. No. Oh, okay. She's like, actually, I don't know what to pray. All right, I will pray for us. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning, Lord. Thank you for all these girls that um, came out this morning, and I just pray that um, that you just reveal yourself to us today. Remind us that we are not saved by what we do or who we are, but we are saved because of Jesus Christ and because you love us, Lord. Um, and would you just remind us of that, of that today? Um, comfort anyone in here that needs comfort. Um, give rest to anyone here that needs rest. Um, Lord, help us find our everything in you. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, have you guys ever had a question that you just wanted an answer to? Maybe it was like a decision you had to make in your life, or maybe a question on a homework assignment, and you're like, I don't know how to solve this question. I would literally do anything for the answer. Have you guys ever had a question like that? I know, I know for me, it's been like decisions in my life. When I've had to make a major decision, I just get really frustrated, and I would do anything to just know the answer already. Um, when you guys have questions like this, what do you what do you do? You try to figure it out. You try to figure it out. Um, you phone a friend. Just like, hey, I did number two. Well, <laughs> I thought you were actually gonna start crying. <laughs> 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 Alright, um, yeah, you you seek out other people. You do anything you can to find that answer. Um, so that's what we're going to be looking at today in the Bible is there is a guy named Nicodemus that really wants an answer to a question that he is, he's willing to do anything to get the answer to. Uh, so turn with me to John 3. Uh, we're going to be reading 1 through 15. And this is actually really funny. Um, Maddie and I meet almost every week and we, we're reading through John together. And this is the passage that we read this week. Wait, that's so, what I read like, last night. No way! Did anyone else read this this week? <laughs> really cool um but yeah in this in this passage there are two main characters it's just Nicodemus and Jesus um and Nicodemus has a question that is just weighing on his heart and so that's why he is going to Jesus to to get an answer um so who would like to read uh John 3 1 through 15 which is the whole passage we could split it up would you guys rather split it up? Um, let's do one through eight. Who would like to read that? I can do it. All right. And who would like to read nine through 15? All right. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Macy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. uh, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that came from God, for no one can do these signs you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Not marvel that I said this to you. Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you 
you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who is descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Awesome. Thank you, Elise and Julia. Um, so Nicodemus is a Pharisee. What do we know about Pharisees? What do you guys know about Pharisees? They like being able to follow the rules when like, other people can't. Like, or, yeah. yeah, they're rule followers. It fuels their pride. Uh, what else do we know about Pharisees? They're, they're, oh, go ahead, Elise. Were they kind of like the leaders of the like Jews and like Leaders, yes. Kind of yeah, they were Jewish leaders, very religious, um, rule followers. They were the the guy that you don't want to invite to the party because he's just a party he's a party pooper. Yeah, they were big party poopers, um, and everyone knew that they were religious because their life revolved around being religious. They did all the right things. Um, they had almost the entire Old Testament memorized. Like most of them studied the Old Testament from the time that they were born um, until they became like a, like a leader. Um, so they had the Old Testament. Yeah, from the, I mean, technically they didn't talk. Um, um, so they like they knew the Bible like the back of their hand, and they were very very educated. Um, so that's who Nicodemus is. That's his background. Um, when other Pharisees come to Jesus, if you guys can remember, what were their what were their motives when they would come to Jesus? What questions? Like getting to mess up. Yeah. Yeah, they wanted to like trick him. Yeah. They, they just wanted to trick him. They just wanted to show that he was wrong. Um, and many of them wanted to kill Jesus. So, verse 1 tells us that Nicodemus came in the middle of the night. So, what does that say about Nicodemus's um, heart in this situation? That he didn't want to, like, be seen when he met with Jesus. Yeah. He wanted to be secret. Yeah. Does he accuse Jesus of anything? He kind of just tells Jesus, like, what he knows about him and, like, kind of what he's guessed about him based on what he's seen. Yeah. Yeah, so he's not like other Pharisees, right? He's not trying to accuse Jesus. He's kind of afraid, probably, of his other Pharisee friends that he, they're going to find out that he talked to Jesus. Um, but he genuinely wanted an answer. This is a question that's weighing on his heart um, that he thinks about. He probably can't sleep that night, and that's probably why he came to Jesus. Um, and he, th- he sees all the miracles that... Jesus does, and he thinks, how can this guy do this miracles? He really must be God. I have to get answers from him. Um, and Jesus doesn't respond to Nicodemus by saying, wow, I wish everyone else, like, saw what you saw in me. Like, thank you, Nicodemus. Like, you see, like, like you know, he doesn't, like, pat himself on his back. What does Je- how does Jesus answer him? What does he tell Nicodemus after Nicodemus says, you must be from God? You have to be born again. Yeah, you have to be born again. Um, so we have to put ourselves in Nicodemus's, Nicodemus's shoes. I almost said Nicodemi, but there's not plural. There's not plural of them. Um, we have to put ourselves in his shoes. And we've, those of us that have grown up in church, we've heard this statement before, right? Like, you have to be born again. You have to have new life. Um, even though sometimes we don't really know what that means, we've heard it before. But he's never heard this before. And he's like, born again? I've already been born. I... Like, I have a mom, I grew up, um, I'm a grown man now, there's no way for me to be born again, that's impossible. Um, So this leaves our friend, um, Nick, I'm going to call him Nick, 
um, with the question, what does it mean to be born again? Um, so let's think for a moment why Jesus chooses the term born again. Um, what type of people is Nicodemus a, a part of? Like what, what religion is he a part of? What people group? The Jews. Yeah, he's part of the Jews. Do you guys know what the Jews believe about how they get to heaven? Like the Jews at the time? Yeah, the Jews at the time. But the Jews at the time believed that because they were Jewish, because of their birthright of just being Jewish, that's how they got to heaven. Um, so just because they were born a Jew, they thought, well, then automatically I get into heaven, um, especially if I do all the right things, then I'm going to get into heaven because not only am I a Jew, but I'm doing all the right things. Um, so that's why Jesus chooses to say you have to be born again because in Nicodemus's mind, he thinks that because he was born in the first place, he's going to heaven. And Jesus is showing him, that's not the case at all. If Nicodemus died that night, Nicodemus would have gone to hell because he didn't know God. He thought he knew God, but he had no idea, no idea who God was. Um, so can we enter into heaven because of the family we were born into? No. no. Yeah. I am born into a Christian family, but if I didn't accept Christ as my Savior, I would not be able to go to heaven. Um, and if you're not born into a Christian family then you still get to go to heaven if you accept Jesus as your savior. It's for everybody, no matter who your family is, no matter where you come from, no matter what your past is, Jesus is for everyone. Um, can you give birth to yourself? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you can't give birth to yourself. Um, so that's another reason why God, I mean, Jesus, um, I guess Jesus is God, but and Jesus says, um, that you have to be born again because you can't give birth to yourself. Someone else has to give birth to you. Um, so the fact that we have to be born again um, in order to inherit new life and in, in order to inherit eternal life just shows us that we need someone else to give birth to us. We need Jesus to give birth to us. Oh, that sounds weird. <laughs> we need Jesus to give us new life. Um, we do not give ourselves life. We don't have that capacity. We can't save ourselves. We can't work our way to heaven. Um, our faith isn't just works-based. It's by grace alone. And if we're not careful, we end up just like the Pharisees. Uh, we believe that our church attendance or our attendance at coffee conversations or maybe um, 6 a.m. Bible studies, we think that that tally will get us into heaven. That'll prove to other people and maybe prove to ourselves or to God that we are Christians. Um, and we believe that maybe since we said a special prayer when we were younger that it means we're saved, um, but we're missing the relational part of being saved, which is just knowing Jesus, walking with him, letting him be your entire life um, and everything you are. So Jesus is telling Nicodemus that all his religion, his studying, his discipline, um, and his family has nothing to do with his eternal life. Um, Nicodemus looked like a religious man of God on the outside. Everyone would have said that Nicodemus was probably going to heaven because he was a Pharisee. But on the inside, Nicodemus was actually very empty. Um, do you think that Nicodemus's mindset about how he was saved, do you think that's common today in other people or in our, us? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where do you guys see it? School. School. Yeah. Because people are always like, yeah, you know, like, I'm a Christian, I go to church, but then I like see how they act when they're not at church. And I'm like, those two things don't add up. Yeah. A lot of inconsistencies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that, like, when people see, like, cr like, Christian as an adjective describing, like, 
that they were like baptized when they were like one. Mm -hmm. They were like they like belong like they're like members of a church. They just don't like go. Yeah. You know, like they don't really see it like as a lifestyle. They see it as like a something describing their like heritage. Yeah. Kind of. It's like their tradition. Yeah, like their tradition. Yeah. 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 Nicodemus's mindset is definitely very common today. Um, and it's something that if we're not careful, we can fall into that mindset too. Um, so yeah, it's really important to continue to continually remind ourselves that we're because Jesus died for us um, and because he loves us. Um, so looking at verse five, uh, it's a little confusing at first. And many people read verse five and they think that it means that you have to get baptized in order to be saved because it says you're only saved by the water. Um, but this does not refer to actual physical baptism. Our physical baptism, so like when you get baptized and they're like, oh, go under the water and come back up, uh, that is not, that's not you being saved. Why isn't baptism, like why doesn't that save us? I think if baptism saved us, then it would kind of take away some, like the fact that Jesus already did it all on the cross. Mm -hmm. Like if it was Jesus plus baptism, then like, why would why does it say that Jesus like paid it all? Yeah. Um, I think baptism is kind of more of like just a symbol showing everyone else. Kind of like how at a wedding, like when like the bride and groom kiss each other, that doesn't make them husband and wife. Mm. It's like when like they declare that they're husband and wife, and like God kind of declares it, and they decide it. But the kiss is just like a representation of like what's happening. Mm. That's like a really good example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if baptism saved us, that would take away from the power of Jesus. Um, so yeah, that's an unfortunate thing that a lot of people believe that baptism does save you, and that's so wrong because like baptism is great, it's so important, but it doesn't save you. It has no saving power. It's just a sign. I think it's also because like you actually have to accept that he's your savior. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can't just do this for show to people at your church. You, know? right. you have to like actually declare that you are like God's child and that you believe that. Yeah. Like you have to actually accept it. You can't just go in the water and then not believe it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if we're not careful, baptism just becomes something that we're using to prove mm -hmm. to uh, ourselves and to God or to others that we're saved. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, turn with me to Ezekiel tw uh, 36 through uh, 36, 25 through 27. So that's in the Old Testament. Kind of a hard book to find, so feel free to use your table of contents. No way. What? No way. Well, that must mean that you're gonna read. <laughs> um, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. So this passage is a prophecy about the new covenant. And the New Covenant is basically just all about Jesus. The Old Covenant is found in the Old Testament. That's when they had to sacrifice animals for their sins. Um, but in the, new in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, uh, Jesus becomes our perfect sacrifice. And that's why we no longer have to sacrifice animals and abide by the old laws. Um, and the New Covenant is the gospel message. And so this passage is going to help us understand why Jesus says that you have to be washed with water in order to be born again. Um, so Macy, are you there? 35 to 37? Uh, yes, please. Can I read that? I mean, 25. Did I say 35? Did I say 35? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. But 36, and I think she confused the 36 oh, okay. after. 
probably it. There's a lot of numbers. Uh, 36, 25 through 27. Okay. Then I will. Okay. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. All right, so throughout scripture, God uses water, like the imagery of water, to demonstrate what he does in our hearts. So he washes our sins away by pouring living water, not physical living water, but just like imaginary living water over us, and that washes away all our sins. And even Jesus uses this time and time again. He says, like, I'm the living water. I'm the bread of life. Or like to the woman at the well, he tells her, like, you can drink this water in this well, but it's not going to satisfy you because I'm the living water and I'll satisfy you. Um, so looking at this passage, um, how does, what does this passage promise to do, what does this pr- passage promise to do in the hearts of those who are cleansed with the water? Let me reword that. Um, what does God promise to do in the hearts of people who are washed by the quote-unquote water? You'll be completely clean. Yeah. That's a new spirit. A new spirit. Yeah. A new heart. A new heart. So it completely transforms you, right? You get a new spirit, a new life. Um, You get a clean slate, right? All your sin is just washed away. Um, And it it transforms you so much that basically you have a new life. So it makes sense to say you were born again because you're a completely different person after you accept Jesus Christ. Um, So that's another reason why Jesus says you have to be born again because whenever you accept Jesus, you're you're not literally being born again, but spiritually you're being born again and you're being born into a new kingdom, right? You're being born into the kingdom of God. You're no longer someone who is of this world. Um, You are a child of God. You are going to live with him forever. So you're being born into his family. Um, So being born again is just putting your trust in Jesus Christ who will cleanse you, transform your heart, and make you new, so much so that you have new life and you will live with him forever and ever, which is absolutely amazing. And what's so cool to think about is if we are, if all of us are saved right now in this room, we are all spend eternity together, which is really cool. I'll see you guys in heaven. Um, <laughs> um, and anyone listening to this podcast. Yeah. Hey-o. Um, all right. So now I have two implications for this passage that we're going to dive into. Uh, the first implication is that we need new life, not new religion. What is the most common answer that you have noticed or you've heard from people that maybe are not saved when you ask them, why do you think you're going to heaven? Good person. Yeah, good person. Yeah. Good person. <laughs> they tell me like a list of all the good things that they've done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I volunteer. I try and do good stuff. Yeah. What What do you guys say to that question? Why Why are you going to heaven? Yeah, it's not because of who we are. It's because of who Jesus is. Um, So Jesus is telling Nicodemus something totally contrary to what he um, is thinking. Um, Nicodemus is the most religious man ever, right? He has the entire Old Testament memorized. He is Mr. Smarty Pants. Um, what, What does Jesus tell Nicodemus? Flipping back to John. Sorry, I forgot to tell you guys to flip back to John 3. I'm the worst teacher ever. 
Um, John 3, 10. What does Jesus say to Nicodemus, Mr. Smarty Pants? He's saying, like, you're teaching all these people, but you don't understand them yourselves. Mm. Yep. He's like, do you didn't really understand what you're teaching, what you think you know? Um, so Nicodemus knew the entire Old Testament. The entire Old Testament is all about Jesus. It's all about the Messiah, right? And the Messiah is literally standing in front of Nicodemus, and Nicodemus doesn't even know that that is the Messiah, even with all his knowledge, because his heart hasn't been transformed. Um, so that just shows us that we can have all the knowledge in the world. We can know all the things we want to know about theology, and we can... We can have the entire Bible memorized and we can miss out on the fact that Jesus just wants a relationship with us, that he just wants to know us. Um, so we have to ask ourselves, have we been going to church, listening to the word of God and doing all the right things, but are we missing out on the relational aspect of just walking with Jesus every day, letting him be our everything, talking to him um, and growing with, growing in him every day? Because that's what, that's what Jesus wants. He doesn't want us to just... I mean, yes, we're supposed to have knowledge about the Bible. We're supposed to memorize the Bible and love it. Um, but we're only supposed to love the Bible because we know it comes from God. Um, and that's what God wants. He just wants your heart. He doesn't want your good deeds. Um, and Jesus is the only way. So my question for you guys is, do you know Jesus? Is he your best friend? Do you wake up every morning and talk to him? Are you motivated to be in the word because you want to see how much he loves you? Um, is he the most important person to you? To you, Is your life revolving around him? Because he's the one that gives you life. He's the one that died for you. So your entire life should be about him because he's the reason that you're breathing right now. Um, so that leads to our next point, our next implication. Our purpose is to have a relationship with Jesus. Everything else will follow. So how can we have a relationship with Jesus when we can't see him? It seems really hard. How am I supposed to have a relationship with anyone if I can never see them? Um, we can see like what, like how he's working in our lives. Like we don't ever see him like physically, but we can see like um, what he's doing, hmm. both to us and the people around us. Yeah, yeah, we see him just working, even though we can't physically see him. What else? How do you guys know that God is working in your life, even though you can't see him? What's evidence of it? Like for me, I don't see it day to day, but if I look back like a year ago I'm like you're not the same person you were a year ago mm -hmm. like you're changing a little bit every day but like to you you can't see it but like over a period of time you can yeah yeah because he works every day on us yeah what else uh, mine is like when I'm like going through stuff like I have like weeks or months where I'm just like depressed and I'm mm -hmm. just like go through things and it feels like nothing's coming out okay and then I get like one moment and I'm just calm mm -hmm. and then that just makes everything better. Yeah, and you know like that moment is the Lord. Yeah, that's awesome. It's like when Andrea said like the small coincidences in life, like that like really just like opened my eyes. I was like, man. Hmm. I was thinking like, oh, he's all these big things but it became like little things that build up to something big. So. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't always do, like, these crazy, uh, awesome things like he does. He, like, he can heal people. He can do anything he wants to do. But he sometimes chooses just to work in little ways. Yeah. And another point I wanted to hit on is that our hearts always have to change before our behavior changes. So a lot of the times we focus on just the behavior side of things, right? We think, 
if I just do the right thing or if I just change this about myself or if maybe someone else changes this about themselves, then like they'll be good or I'll be good. Um, but like looking at my own life, this is not how it worked. My heart had to change before anything else ha like changed. My, I say this all the time, but my cravings for life changed after I knew Jesus as my savior. So um, after I knew Jesus as my savior and I knew how much he loved me and that he died for me and that he was my life, then all of a sudden my behavior changed. I no longer wanted to do the things that I used to do. I never like, I, I didn't wanna, I didn't have a craving for it anymore. It wasn't even a desire. So my, my behavior changed after my heart changed. Um, so, where am I in my notes? What is the difference between um, your heart changing and just your behavior changing? How would you guys draw the distinction? I would say like, it's the difference between doing something in order to be saved and doing something from being saved. Hmm. So like, um, if it's just our behavior, it's almost like you're working to try and like, you're trying to like do the things you can in order to like reach like new perfection or like in order like working and like doing things to get to heaven. But if you have a heart change, then you're doing good things from the heart change, not for the heart change. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. It's just one little word too, right? It's like mm -hmm. for the heart change or from the heart change. Mm -hmm. Very, very small difference, but it makes a huge difference. Yeah, and if we're not careful, we can find ourselves just like Nicodemus was. We forget that, um, we forget about the gospel, right? We should remind ourselves of the gospel every single day so we never forget it. Um, and we forget that Jesus died to save us and that we're totally unworthy of that, right? Like we don't deserve him to die for us. We don't deserve eternal life. Um, it's a wonder that we are saved. Um, and we get caught up in doing the right things and going to church and just getting involved in our schedules and just doing things to prove ourselves when really it's not about proving ourselves. It's about humbly laying down our, our sins, our expectations, our life before the Lord and saying, Lord, I love you. I need you every single day. And I want my relationship with you. It's all about the relationship. Um, Jesus Christ alone is our answer. If we are our answer, we're just going to exhaust ourselves and we're going to end up empty, just like Nicodemus was. Um, so my encouragement to you guys is to keep running to Jesus, keep seeking him, um, keep praying for him, praying that he gives you a desire to be in his word, to pursue a relationship with him, um, and know that God wants a relationship with you. Like he He loves you. He's in, he's in love with you. He wants to... He knows you already. He knows you through and through, but he wants you to know him. Um, and everything else will change after that because um, our hearts have to change before our behavior changes. And something that's really cool, as I was doing um, research on this passage, I wanted to know if Nicodemus was saved. Um, do you guys think Nicodemus ended up being saved? Yeah, he's actually mentioned again in John. I forgot to write down the, uh, the passages, but he's mentioned two other times in John. He's mentioned um, talking to the Pharisees and defending Jesus. Um, and then he's also mentioned at the very end of John, when Jesus dies, he goes with Mary to take care of Jesus' dead body. And so to me, that shows that Nicodemus, his heart was changed. He knows Jesus as his savior. Um, he's no longer a man of religion, but he's a man who is in love with Jesus and knows that he's the Messiah, um, 
which is really cool to think about that we'll probably see Nicodemus in heaven too. Um, but yeah, any questions or comments on the little section we did today? Alrighty, well that's all that I have. I will pray for us and then we can eat more donuts. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for this morning. Thank you for your word, Lord, that um, you have put it together so that we can know you better. I just pray for all the girls here. Lord, I just so badly want them to have a relationship with you um, and to walk with you and to know you better. And Lord, would you just show them how much you love them, that you sent your son to die for them, and that um, they are so precious in your sight, God. And um, would each one of them just be encouraged to dive into your word this week and to talk to you more and to um, just know more about you. Lord, we love you, um, but we need your help in order to love you more. You know my prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You should, you should put your podcast over a joke. A joke? Yeah. Oh, no. We need to have you